Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Do we do enough preparing of our bodies before we start recording the show? Because I just did the biggest stretch I've... You, you saw me. I just did the biggest stretch I've ever stretched in my life. Saw that little life. belly. Oh, when well... You, when you did your stretch. Yeah, I mean, you saw my cute little belly. <laughs> but now I have feel like I'm full of podcast energy. I'm full of jokes. And I don't think I was... Re- I think I had too much lactic acid... Mm-hmm. And too much um, sweat, uh, sweat buildup on the inside. I have always told you to stretch, and I am grateful now that you have had an additional person who is a medical professional tell you to stretch. That's true. I have I've seen a medical professional for my terrible, terrible body. And yeah, it's it's, uh, it's various aches and pains, and he was like, "Do you do you even stretch, dog?" Yeah. Um, I uh, I slipped him a fiver. Yeah, I said, um, talk to him about stretching. Rachel bribes all my doctors, <laughs> but I feel like, ooh, I feel like I'm back at my back at my, my fighting weight. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Look at my re- look at my wingspan right now. You've got a very good reach. Imagine imagine a basketball. Yeah. In each hand. Ooh, a shit. flaming basketball. A flaming basketball. <laughs> I have a friend named Tanner who that was one of his senior <laughs> pictures was him holding a basketball in each hand and they were on fire. I can't. So amazing. <laughs> I have to imagine that was his vision, and I wonder how it was executed. Um, I don't know. Did, could... well, did he have a face in the photo like? Oh, 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 hurry, 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 hurry. No, he looked, he looked pretty stone cold. He looked, I mean, he looked badass. He looked cool. I don't know what else to say. Was I, he like the star, the star of the team? He was quite tall. Um, <laughs> that is a way to answer that question. <laughs> and I can't really like cast any aspersions here because we did, dad did send my senior pictures in, uh, in the post and, uh, hadn't, hadn't laid eyes on these bad boys in a long time. And, Let's just say I would have killed to have some flaming basketballs. <laughs> would have killed to have something that uh, unironically cool in in these photos, but no dice. Um, do you have any small wonders before we really uh, start pounding the pavement here? Um, I'm going to say, just in keeping with our, our general uh, hockey report, that I yeah. am excited that Tarasenko's back. Yes, Vladimir Tarasenko was sort of the, would you say he's like the biggest name on the Blues, or at least was for a a while there? Uh, He is just good. He's just extremely good at hockey. He was was instrumental the year they won the Stanley Cup, which was uh, 2019, and then he's been more or less injured since then. He just came back, and he's, you know, he's still getting his his ice legs. Right. But... uh, it's exciting to to think about, you know, him back on the yeah. ice court. I really like talking about hockey now because I am so not a sports fan, but I, know, I feel like fun, right? we have watched so much hockey now that I understand kind of what makes it cool and what makes sports fun to watch sometimes. And it's like <laughs> this man coming back to this team who have suffered like a tremendous amount of injuries this season and it's basically like like I'm on reserve like they wanted me to sit on the bench. In their last game, because they had just run out of people. But yeah. now I have this this dude back. It's very exciting. Um, I'm going to say uh, on the besties, we're doing a two-part series where we're talking about the best Zelda game. And it's got me going back and playing some old Zelda games. And 
It's just good, man. It's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I always I'm, I'm familiar enough with Griffin's game systems that when he gets out an older one, right. I think, what's going on? You th- that's an old guy. Henry started to display some interest in it, uh, which is great. I'm playing Link Between Worlds, and the gimmick there is you can turn into a painting in the walls and like move around. <laughs> yeah. And he was just like, "Do that again. Do that again. Do yeah, that again. he was really Do excited. He was very excited about it. Um. Let's get let's get it let's get it going. What's your first uh what's your first big old thing of Rachel's big old wonders? <laughs> New segment, Rachel's yeah. big old thing. Jumbo size wonders. That is uh sneak preview. <laughs> we are trying to figure out how to fill time for when we have the baby and And when gonna... we say fill time, we mean provide exceptional content. Yeah, but also <laughs> You know, feed the beast, so to speak. And the beast is you, the listening audience. And we're talking about doing double stuff episodes where we just do like a couple big segments. Yeah, we find one exceptional topic that can last the duration of an entire episode. Yeah, if you have any ideas for fun and let's say easy to produce episodes that we could do (laughs) maybe four of in a single day uh, in the next, I don't know, week, hit us up. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, my first thing is the backpack. All right. Do you know, like, the backpack is, like, a pretty new thing. Like, our parents didn't have backpacks when they were kids. Well, they they just take a briefcase to school? I mean, yeah, so there there was, like, a variety, but, like, the nylon zip-up backpack is, like, real recent. Huh, interesting. Uh, I was thinking about this because we got a new diaper bag, and we very quickly found out that the backpack kind of variety is the easiest for travel, because you can have both your your hands free and, and not all the weight on one shoulder. Gotta have that, yeah. Yeah. And I got real excited about the new diaper bag. Because I, I think I love a backpack. I love a backpack, too. I'm so, I'm amazed we have not talked about this before. Because I like, whenever I had to, especially when I was traveling for podcasts and Polygon, like, video game conference stuff at the same time, I, like, researched backpack brands like for a month until I could like figure out my my personal my personal jammer. I feel like I've heard Griffin talk about backpacks. I have, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's just the two of us in our love. I remember embrace. giving out my uh, recommendation for like which one I I settled on. It's been so long, I cannot remember what it is. But we've yeah. definitely t- I have talked about backpacks before, but we've never really do- dove in. Yeah, I'm still still reeling from the revelation that our parents didn't have back. Like, I did all were all their books so, just in, at school already. It was like it was primarily an outdoorsy thing. It was like a hiking thing. Okay. It was like if you were going to go camp, you had a backpack. But if you were going to go to school, you either had like the leather strap that went around your books. Oh God. Um. They also made like the little like leather. I mean, they were basically backpacks, but they were like squared leather bags that like fastened shut with buckles. So a backpack then. Uh, <laughs> but not not the nylon. Not the yeah, Jan zippers before Jan Sport came yeah. in and changed the whole game. Or the like the kind of the canvas like you know side A shoulder. Toad. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, yeah, it wasn't until the eighties really that you saw. Damn. Like backpacks exclusively being marketed for school children. Huh. I mean, wow, that was a lot of money they left on the table then before that because. Oh man, I was. There's all even about it. like, as I looked into it, there's even like a West Coast East Coast approach to the backpack. Tell me everything <laughs> about this. Uh, so the first backpack with the zipper, 1938, and that was for like hiking, camping. I mean, that was probably around the invention of the zipper, right? Yeah, 
I don't. I I said that. I have no idea when the zipper got invented. No, that's true. Okay. Uh, so there's a uh, a store that was called Jerry's Outdoors that invented the first backpack with the zipper. Okay. Okay, and that was primarily camping. 1967 is when they switched to nylon, mm. a stronger, more durable, lighter. Right, uh, better in every way. And I didn't realize this, but uh, there was a guy, Murray Pletz, and Skip Yell, who had an outdoor gear company in Seattle. Okay. And Murray was dating a woman named Jan who had a home sewing machine. Oh, my God. And when they got married, Jansport was born. Jans... Is it Jans Sport? <laughs> Jansport. It's as if her name were Jan Space Sport. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. I had no idea that Jan, it was an actual <laughs> was Jan. Jan. There was an actual Jan. <laughs> it makes sense, but that's wild. It's like if I started up a, you know, a butcher shop and called it Rachel Beef, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's a strange. Well, that's a little different, honey, than like a, a sporting goods. That's like a consumable that yeah, you're saying. I guess that's fair. Rachel <laughs> Beef is not a, like a sort of pleasant image in my mind actually yeah no i don't like that i don't like thinking about you as <laughs> as beef because you're not you're a person oh such a feminist That's i love me. that about you yep happy international women's day <laughs> you are not beef uh so as i mentioned uh jansport um opened up their store and they were actually attached to a University of Washington bookstore. And so when the weather got real bad, people would buy these backpacks to put their books in. Clever. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, hey, you know what? Everybody should have Yeah, these, these are the incredible. <laughs> they started making them specifically for books after that. They took some like bus seat vinyl and sewed it to the bottom to like make it more durable. I definitely had some Jansport backpacks growing up that were made out of toilet paper that were made out <laughs> that were not they were made to last exactly six six week periods of schooling yeah they were made to last at one fall to the end of the next spring and then they dissolved <laughs> well, what are you putting in there books and lunch. a lot of books i remember just a tremendous amount of books yeah like you would prioritize like okay well these are the classes i have today so i'll put the rest of the books in my locker so i don't see hurt i never myself. used my locker i just carried around all my that's probably why my back is so fucked up yeah. mm. Mm. oh well uh so 1982 ll bean featured the book pack and then in 1984 Jansport released the spring break. Uh, so on the West Coast, we had Jansport on the East Coast, L.L. Bean. Okay. All right. I feel like Jansport won that hands down. <laughs> well, L.L. Bean has always like, I've always seen that as more of like a catalog yeah. option. Whereas Jansport, you go, in, you go in the store, you pick it up. Right. Seems like that's easier. Yeah. You know? But you can get that nice little monogram with the LLB. I do like that. Damn the it. The little initials. That's actually, actually, I never had one of those. And I thought the people who did were the biggest douches in the fucking world. <laughs> Monogramming is like a big thing the further south you go. Like the idea of putting your initials or your name on something. Ugh. <laughs> It's like a southern thing. Why? A little too popped collar for you? Actually, that's my backpack. As you can tell <laughs> from the letters that are on. Who's, 
anyway. Um, so yeah, so this is, this is the 1980s. This is like very recent right. for the backpack. It's so, it just blows my mind a little bit. I love, I love a good backpack. I love a, I loved a sleek backpack that I could fit like my laptop and iPad and like a game system into. And that was it. That was all the space yeah. and it slid perfectly underneath uh-huh. an airplane seat. And now like that I also need space for 10 kids' cliff bars and a plastic bag with some undiarrheaed kid <laughs> pants in them. Uh, th- that is no longer an option for me. So I wanted, I, so speaking of like the sleeker backpack, mm-hmm. I wanted to show you a picture of something. Uh, backpack companies are beginning to sell accessories that okay. supplant backpacks for oh. students in the digital age, such as Jansport's Digital Burrito, designed for students who just aren't carrying many books. It's a digital burrito. Jansport so has made. They, they literally made the packaging look like a tortilla, and then you unroll it, and then you, right. can, you can slide your little cords and stuff in there. Okay. Um, yeah, they just made a big burrito. Jansport's having fun with it, huh? <laughs> just an $18 burrito just an $18, package. Yeah, inedible burrito. People need to stop making things that look like food that isn't food, because that's a trick on everyone. Whoa, hot take. I'm just saying, they got the, what's the, what's the, we talked about it on uh, Munch Squad, and then one, uh, our friend Ariel actually got oh, one. Oh, the bread the, mug the from pa- Panera. Panera bread mug, but it's also a hand warmer, but it but looks like a bread bowl. you can't eat that, can't you? No. No, I think it's like made out of like rubber and stuff. Oh, I, I, it's a trick on me. I don't like it. <laughs> um, can I talk about my first thing? Yes. Uh, talking about things that keep your hands warm uh, and looks tasty in the cold air. I'm talking about that steamed bun. The bun that oh, is steamed. Yeah. God, I love a steamed bun, and it takes many, many forms. And we'll we'll get into those forms. Um, Do you remember your first steamed bun? Yeah, the first steam bun I ever ate was in was in Tokyo, and I went there oh. with uh, Polygon in twenty. Well, God, that would have been twenty thirteen. Uh, I had one in Chicago, and so that would have been like two thousand six, maybe. Oh. Uh, and then basically not again for like a decade. Yeah, because it's not e- super easy to find them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in, in, in Tokyo. I remember I like hadn't necessarily done my homework on like getting around Tokyo and like how to like find a restaurant that would have uh, that I'd be able to like get into. Um, so I sort of subsisted on 7-Eleven uh, steam buns. They're called Nikuman there uh, and they have so many varieties and that's what I am going to talk about later. But man, when you are cold and a little bit peckish the ability to just walk into any convenience store and get one of these tasty little just little hot little nuggets that's going to fill you up on the inside and warm you up on the outside there is it is the perfect food delivery vehicle I cannot I think of anything better. Um, so the it, the steam bun has taken many many forms, many permutations uh, across so many different like North and Southeast Asian cultures and cuisines. It's kind of tough to track its exact origin. The big sort of thing that it derives from are baosu, which is a Chinese steam bun, and apocryphally, like it's said that it was created by a Chinese military strategist named Zhuge Liang, uh, and that he was the first one who just started stuffing, you know, chopped up meat inside of these buns so that their soldiers could get, you know, bun power, steamy bun power. <laughs> um, but th- it's hard to tell. Like, it's it, there's so many things we talk about on this show, specifically food things that are like 
a, a food idea, a food structure that is iterated upon across different across generations and cultures and stuff like that, so that it's kind of impossible to figure out like who was the first one who steamed up a, a beefy bun. It's yeah, and the important thing, the distinction to make, like better than a sandwich, right? Because like you've got full enclosure, absolutely. You know, like nothing's leaking out the sides. Cuter, cuter than a sandwich. That's true. and it's a mystery. You know, when you look at a sandwich, you know what you're about to bite into. That's true. Steam bun. Who knows? Um, so like I said, there's a ton of different uh, things to put inside of a steam bun and a bunch of different ways to kind of uh, prepare it. Uh, and, you know, across a lot of Asia, they have sort of iterated on all these different things. So common fillings include char siu pork, rich soup that you drink with a straw. I remember seeing that for the first time on Bourdain on, on an episode of No Reservations, like a big ass steam bun that you poke a straw into and you drink the rich soup inside. And I was like... That's the fucking best thing I've ever seen. Uh, they got sweet bean paste kaya, which is a, a jam made out of uh, coconut and eggs. They also sometimes put custard up in there. Sesame paste, uh, pickles, lamb and potatoes. And the bun itself can be steamed. It can be pan fried. It can be grilled. Uh, it can be sort of left open like a taco. Uh, I feel like that's kind of popular in a lot of Asian fusion places here, mm, here in yeah, Austin. That's true. Uh, and yeah, like I said earlier, nikumana are a, a staple food in, in Japan during like festivals and for, uh, you know, street food vendors. Uh, and then they just take over convenience stores in the wintertime from like September to April. Uh, kind of like how we have like gross looking, weird, cheesy corn dogs on those rollers in every gas station. <laughs> yeah. Like that is the equivalent there, except their <laughs> shit like actually slaps so hard. Uh, and they also go so hard on the different flavors. So it's not just pork and beef in the Nikuman that is sold in, uh, in convenience stores in Japan. Here's just, I'm going to go down the list here. Uh, Circle K has got a white curry mon, uh, squid ink seafood mon, uh, deli chicken mon with mayo style flavor. I'm okay. I like the flavor mayo, so I'll enjoy a mayo style flavor. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like maybe just kind of like chicken salad. That's true. Uh, mini stop. Has got a few. They got a, uh, a a boiled pork cube crunchy curry mon, uh, a crunchy cheese lasagna mon, and a Belgian chocolate mon. Okay, Family Mart's working with that cream cheese mon, the choco mon, the uh, chestnut mon. There's a Hatsune Miku mon, which is just a sort of <laughs> salty green onion steam bun, but the it looks like Hatsune Miku, the blue haired hologram. And then when you Go bite boy. into it, she pops out. It looks gross. It looks it, <laughs> it, it, by by which I mean it doesn't. It looks like a weird homunculus of a. It it, it got dragged when it was introduced because people were like, <laughs> "This just looks like a blue haired, like gopher. This looks terrible." Uh, let's see. Lawson has a milk caramel mon. I'm curious about a dessert steam bun. I'm into it. I'm into it. I, I can't see anything wrong with it. 7-Eleven, of course, uh, comes at you with the pizza mon, which, <laughs> wow. You know what this is reminding Destroy me that. of is uh, kolaches. Kolaches? Yeah, sure. I, I would, I would I mean, see kolache that. I mean, kolache is definitely like a more like heavy yeah. because of the bread. There's something about the steaminess of it that that makes it for me because yeah. it's it is uh because it is a little wet and it is extremely hot and steaming, it 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 almost disperses heat in a way that is just pleasant to hold. You know what? Uh, We've also talked about the tamale recently. I feel like there true. there is something about a, a a steamed food. A steamed vehicle that we are interested in. Yeah. We yeah, I mean we do talk about this a lot. I enjoy we enjoy a good food delivery vehicle. <laughs> 
sort of genre, and I feel like Steam Bomb is huge. we hate getting our hands messy. I hate it. <laughs> um, also, this is one of those segments that while I was preparing for it, it made me the hungriest for Steam Buns I've ever been yeah. in my entire fucking life. So we need to acquire some yeah. today. Um, to it. Okay, good. But for right now, let's fill our bellies up with advertisements. Can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Oh, there is a loud bird. I mean, uh, we've been leaving the door open in the studio, and I suppose our listeners will tell us if they don't like the bird noises, but uh, <laughs> I like the good air inside of the room. Sometimes I forget with those headphones on that you can't hear all the... Uh... The foley, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, let us know, audience. Vote here in the poll. We're going to put it up right now. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> And you just click thumbs up or thumbs down. Do you like the bird noises? But for right now, we do have some Blumpo prompts, and I want to read the first one because it's for Rio, and it's from Oppie, who says, Dear Lisa of 2021, I don't know where you are right now or what you're up to as you listen to this, but no matter where this Jumbotron finds you, know that I am thinking of you, that I love you very much, and that the whole world is still out there waiting for you to discover it. This is your sign. Go get it. 
is this a sort of Manchurian candidate style activation <laughs> code for Rio? I feel like uh, one of the things you worry about the most with these jumbotrons is activating. Yeah, you got to, because we can't be held accountable for that. <laughs> we can't be held accountable. Can I read the next one? Please. This is for Amy Kathleen. It is from Wade. Amy Kathleen, I'm proud of you and all the work you're doing to grow. It's an honor to have you in my life. After seeing how much ice cream you can stack on your palm without touching any fingers, I'm confident you would do reasonably well on Taskmaster. That is the ultimate compliment I believe you should pay somebody <laughs> in this day and age. I really think I do good on Taskmaster. I really do. It's a shame they'll never be on that show. But man, I think I'd really crush it. I love lateral. Sydney thinking. was talking about that once of like just getting like a like a full family Taskmaster. Ooh, be incredible. Yeah. Although last time they tried to bring Taskmaster to the to the United, we ta- we definitely did a thing on Taskmaster. Yeah. How do we not remember anything we've ever talked about on this show? We've been doing for well three because years? we talk about things we like, and it turns out we do that when we're not recording too. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's true. Hey, I'm Janet Varney, host of the JV Club podcast. Ah, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or a time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan-Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. What's your second thing? My second thing is a trip to the Poetry Corner. Oh, my God. It's been a little while. Hold on. Let me strap in. Got to be careful. Let me put my helmet on. And my elbow pads. It's Because it's dangerous. Sometimes the poems hit you so hard. I don't want to get knocked out of my seat out the window and fall. All I can think about is how you're sitting right now. I'm sitting kind of like a gargoyle, (laughs) aren't I? I'm perched, ready to go to the poetry corner. Just really, really showing me what happens. It's a a vertical man spread. (laughs) It's like a, do you know what I mean? It's going up. Yeah, the knees are up and out. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sort of in a birthing position, which maybe, do you think it's like a sympathy thing? (laughs) Probably. That's interesting. Probably. Well, the only thing I'm going to birth right now is attention that I'm going to pay to you while you do this (laughs) incredible segment. I think with the Poetry Corner, more than like a helmet and a seatbelt, you need like a box of Kleenex and a blanket. Oh, is this one of those? Uh, It could be worse. I'll say that. Fuck. (laughs) Uh, The poet I am doing is one that I have recently become... um, aware of so i got for any for any of you that are looking for like the new poets on the scene um there's a best american poets that comes out like an anthology that comes out every year and i got the uh 2021 because i was looking to hear who was out there today yeah. you know william carlos williams been gone for a long time sure. now <laughs> yeah uh and that is where i found rachel eliza griffiths you, you looked at me as if i was gonna say something like hey that sounds like my name <laughs> Is that what you were expecting? 
Well, I mean. You looked at me like, got something to say about that? (laughs) A little bit. Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't. Uh, So she is a poet, visual artist, and novelist. uh, And recently in 2020, released a collection of poetry and photography called Seeing the Body. Uh, which is uh, compiled in the aftermath of her mother's death. Her uh, collection pairs poetry and photography and exploring memory and black womanhood in the American landscape and rebirth. Like there's a lot going on in this book. I'm definitely going to order it after reading some of her poems. I do not think I can read any poems from that book because it is devastating. Okay. (laughs) The poem I read uh, in the anthology was called Good Mother. Uh, and it is about the experience of her going to a like a pharmacy, like a CVS or a Walgreens, uh, after her mom has passed on like uh, in the Mother's Day season. Oh, and I was just like, Uh-oh. can't read this one out loud. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, terrible. We've never had to stop doing the show in the middle of an episode before, but <laughs> yeah. that would definitely be the case if that. Yeah, yeah. She um, She's written several collections of poetry. So I mentioned Seeing the Body, which just came out in 2020. There was Lighting the Shadow in 2015, The Requited Distance in 2011, uh, Mule and Pear in 2011, and Miracle Arrhythmia in 2010. Uh, she actually got her MFA from Sarah Lawrence in creative writing uh, and appeared in the first ever poetry issue of Oprah Magazine, hmm. uh, which is kind of incredible. Yeah. So she has a debut novel coming out uh, from Random House. So she like she does everything. Yeah, She's no incredible. Kidding. But she also writes really well about death and grief, uh, which while I didn't wasn't able to summon the strength to read poems about her mother, I found another poem that I really wanted to share. It's actually published in The New Yorker in 2019 called Heart of Darkness. And it is about the death of Cecil Taylor, who was a uh, American pianist and poet, kind of like a instrumental figure in like the New York jazz scene. Yeah. And so she wrote this poem about him and meeting him. uh, And I just found it to be a really like lovely tribute. So I wanted to read it. It's called Heart of Darkness. Years ago, I went to NoHo Star with some poets and Cecil Taylor. NoHo Star is closed now and Cecil died yesterday. I walked to Union Square and watched black men playing chess, rubbing their jaws while the afternoon light poured down the gentle rooks of their fingers hanging above a queen or pawn. Cecil Taylor sat across the table from me, wearing leather gym shorts, rainbow-striped knee socks, a fringe vest, and a face so musical I could hear the notes blunting and banging as he low-laughed and looked like a lion who had bitten off the ancient secret of a soft roar. I liked him right away, said yes when he asked me if I would share a dessert with him. I, in an ivory dress that was vintage, the kind my mother would have worn, with chiffon sleeves— The shining air made the loose dress cling to me. The way a special music clung to Cecil Taylor followed the radical swing and swag of his voice. Do you want to have the heart of darkness together, he said. That looks sweet enough. I remembered later when we stood on the sidewalk, sugar and poetry in us. Heat coming off the summer night in the city always made me feel like I could never leave New York. He kissed my cheeks, said he'd been fooled. I didn't think they made women like you anymore tipped his cowboy hat and took off his glasses. My God, in the dark, his eyes burned so clear and wild, I thought the sun was out, roaring through our hearts like a song, daring its hunter to aim. 
I get this tunnel vision sometimes <laughs> when you're reading a poem, especially one that is as like sort of visual as yeah. as that, where it's like I literally, I li- like everything you else. You are. Yeah, it's very, very disorienting uh, and incredible. That's that was that was so good. Yeah, I I, I liked reading that one because one I could get through it. Um, Not it, it was close there. It was, close it was there a squeaker at the, end. at the end. Um. But also it really kind of captures one of her strengths, you know, that makes this this newer book of hers about her mother so powerful is that like her ability to really attach herself to qualities and moments with a person that are so definitive and so like indicative of who they are and what makes them so incredible. Right. And like and and compose these really like lovely tributes, you know, that make you feel like, oh, she like she really got him. Yeah. You know. In an interview in the LA Review of Books that came out in 2020, she was asked if she believed that writing could heal. Uh, And she said, writing this book didn't and doesn't heal my grief. It armed me with tools, sure, and shown me so much about who I am and who I am becoming. I'd throw every copy of this book in the trash if I could pick up the phone and hear my mother ask me what I'm cooking for dinner. Because of the way that other writers and readers have responded to the work, I do believe its existence is a positive thing. Let it give itself to others who need it. I needed to write it, and I did. It was necessary for me to go directly through it, that intimacy in the process of writing, which was like crawling and clawing, to reflect on my life and how I perceive my art. Writing makes me feel embodied and empowered because of the listening that it requires. I do believe listening can be healing. Hmm. I really liked thinking of it that way, because I'm always impressed by people that can write these kind of tributes you know, after somebody dies, because it's it's such an emotionally like scary, vulnerable place, and to phrase it as like listening that she like had to in order to do it, she had to do the listening, and the listening was what was healing. I thought like that's a really nice way to think of it of less of like you're trying to create something from nothing, but you're yeah. trying to like listen to wh- your experience and kind of put together something that represents that. Yeah. Uh, so I found that really powerful. I would I would encourage you all that poem that I mentioned, "Good Mother," that I can't right. I can't read out loud is also very good. That whole book just looks beautiful, devastating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and devastating. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, my second thing is uh, 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 I should actually I should narrow this down and say regular size Jenga because. <laughs> You don't like the the big bar? It's come back in a big way, right? With big Jenga that happens, and maybe this is a localized thing here in Austin. I don't think so. Okay, I didn't. I I assume not, but I feel like every outdoor, every bar with an outdoor space had big Jenga in it so for loud. a while. So loud, and when it falls down, it's the loudest <laughs> noise in the entire universe. Um, it's the noise of a sun exploding. It's, it's so 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 loud and scares me, and I'm always afraid it's going to fall and hurt somebody and it probably does a lot so i'm gonna say regular size jenga though is pretty pretty great um and i've played it with henry once or twice but honestly (laughs) though he enjoys it it's a lot of work to set up the tower and having him do a smash to it um you know seconds (laughs) after the game gets going it makes me not want to continue Uh sort of that um that process uh jenga 
tower, 54 blocks. You stack them up three by three, alternating. You get it. You know Jenga, right? Yeah. And miraculously, some of them are loose. Some, some of those of them little are pieces loose. are loose. Oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get into that. And, and it's, that's the best part, man, is when you find one of those find loose pieces. Find one of those pieces. loose pieces of, of the. It's. it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so satisfying. I've played with people who I feel like, like Uno. There are people who enforce different rules for Jenga, and oh, some of yeah. them don't exist. Uh, you are allowed to bump pieces. You are allowed to bump. I know. Yeah. Some people are like, see. "Well, you touched it." You touched so. it. So it's not. Yeah. It's not chess <laughs> where if you you know take your finger off the piece, that's it. No. It, but you do if you do move a piece while you're bumping them, you do have to re- like put it back where it was before you can start touching another piece. Uh, you are only allowed to use one hand while doing things. So none of this like oh. pincering a piece with like both of your index fingers. I've definitely seen people do that. Yeah, that's bullshit. They are just, they are, think back to every game you've played with people who did that. You won that game because they were cheating. And that's all that I'll say about that. <laughs> um, your turn ends when somebody else touches the tower or after 10 seconds have passed since your your move. Uh, you take a brick out and you got to put it on the very top. Uh, and that thus the tower continues to get taller and more and more and more unstable. So the, t- the tower has to be stable for 10 seconds before your turn ends. So you can just sit there and watch it and wait. I'm not sure physics like agrees with that time span. Like, is there really a tower that's going to take 10 entire seconds to fall down? I can't make heads or tails of that. Maybe if a stiff wind is blowing and you want to wait and <laughs> see. And of course, you can only take, you know, uh, bricks from uh, below the top two yeah. layers. None of this like, oh, I just yeah. picked one up from the... No, that's BS. So Jenga was invented by a uh, a woman named Leslie Scott. And it's based on a game that she just used to play with her family using this set of building blocks that... Uh, that her family bought from a sawmill in Ghana, uh, which is where she lived for most of her life. And actually the word Jenga is a shortened uh, Swahili word, uh, which is Kujinga, which means to build. Never knew that. Uh, And so, you know, she invented this game just based on a game that she used to play with her family. And then during the 80s, like distribution for it exploded and turned it into the staple board game that it is now uh it has sold as of this year over 90 million copies which is over f- uh, not over about 5 billion jenga blocks uh <laughs> which is a whole bunch of jenga blocks so the tall according to the packaging of one of the editions of jenga the tallest tower that's ever been built was on one of these original sets uh, by a distributor uh, whose name was uh, Robert Grebler, and he built one that is 40 and two-thirds levels tall before it, it fell down. Wow. Which, if you think about it, is there's only 54 blocks in a set. That yeah. is an extremely big tower. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess if it's perfectly balanced, right. you, could, you could do like one block in a row. But... It is extremely hard to accomplish that. And I will tell you why. And this is the thing that completely shattered my reality when I read it. Uh, Each Jenga block is meant to be 1.5 centimeters tall, uh, 2.5 centimeters wide, and 7.5 centimeters long by design. That is how long they're supposed to be. But every block has a slight and a random and sometimes nearly imperceptible variation on one of those dimensions. To make them flawed, like 
inherently flawed by design. It's not an accident. So when you have a brick that is loose, oh, right, it is because maybe it is like a, just imperceptibly a little bit shorter than the other bricks. Uh, Wild. Yes. So that's why it makes it so tough to do like a perfect stack up to the heavens because yeah. you are inherently using building materials that are offset. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I've definitely noticed that before, I feel like, while playing, especially like while stacking up the tower to begin with. But I would chalk it up to like, oh, it's just humidity in the air or, oh, we yeah. have a bad Jenga block here or, oh, this must have broken some. No, it's by design. Jenga blocks are not, not like perfectly uniform. It's It's almost like you could make your own, you could get a bunch of Jenga sets and you could make your own road set Ooh. that you like take all of those pieces. Yeah. I like to play with a shallow set. <laughs> it's like your own pool cue. You like, yeah. you like get out your little briefcase and there's all your. But that's BS though. You can't play <laughs> Jenga with your own set. I feel like because that's like playing pool on like a pool table that, you know, tilts slightly to the yeah. left there so you can, you know, hustle people on it. Man, they're probably Jenga hustlers out there. Anyway, I one time I played Jenga Truth or Dare, and that was too much compound anxiety for me. <laughs> I'm already nervous enough playing Jenga as it is. I don't need like my deep dark secrets to come out, or maybe I'm supposed to do a kiss to somebody. Really? <laughs> no thanks. Do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Well, good, because I have a couple submissions here. The first one is from Jaya, who says, I just wanted to say that I was listening to episode 154 and decided to listen to that Wolf Parade album, and I am straight vibing. Here I am, a 20-year-old college student during a pandemic who hasn't listened to new-to-me music in months, now listening to a 2005 indie rock album and loving it. So I'm just here to thank you for this recommendation. It brought me joy today. We get a lot of like feedback like this, but this one really delighted me. The idea of somebody like cooped up, I mean, like we all are in quarantine and not necessarily being exposed to a lot of like new media. Yeah. And finding what is a pretty righteous rock and roll album is. It's a really good reminder. I think, you know, as as people in our 30s, we sometimes think, well, everybody our age knows about this. Yeah. But there's always the chance that you're going to find a a younger listener or maybe. Yeah. Somebody who just wasn't aware and and really, really changed their trajectory. I mean, Apologies to the Queen Mary is, at this point, a 16-year-old rock album, (laughs) which is devastating. Uh, John says, my small wonder is when your car's turn signal matches up perfectly with the BPM of whatever song you're listening to. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's one of the most satisfying things ever. Pretty sure we've talked about that before, but also it happened to me recently. Uh, while I was out driving to uh, just some lo-fi chill chill hop song, and uh, oh, the vibe was nice. I didn't even take the, I didn't even want to take the turn. I sat at the green light for a while just because the vibe was so right, and I, I knew I'd never capture it again. Hey, thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song "Money Won't Pay." You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Yeah, thank you, Maximum Fun. I wanted to encourage people, if they haven't checked out Judge John Hodgman, to do so. Uh, we are we are at the one-year anniversary of the cruise that we were on right uh, before lockdown happened. And we were supposed ah. to see our friend John Hodgman on that cruise. Oh, and that's right. He couldn't go because he had been in Europe, and that was where we thought everything bad was. And uh-huh. then it turned out everything Little was bad. Little did we know. Everywhere. 
that the magic was in us all along. <laughs> yeah. Um, and hey, we got other stuff at McRoy.family, uh, merchandise and things. And um, what else, huh? What else, babe? We are, uh, uh, we're going to have a new baby here. And very, very soon. Very, very soon. And uh, the it's not scheduled to come out until the end of the month. So, you know, maybe some regular programming uh, <laughs> until then. But I would, I would wager that the week where... Uh, the baby does arrive. Will there will not be an episode that week, and then everything that comes after unless, that for a while. Unless, unless the baby arrives on like a Thursday or Friday, like a real party boy, like a real party boy, and in, then uh, we would have had an episode that week. All of this is to say <laughs> that we are entering wild boy country, and <laughs> anything can happen. And just be ready, just be ready for it, like a thief in the night. This baby will arrive. I heard you talking about our new baby on um, the Bim Bam. Yeah. And I realized there are a lot of people that probably didn't know. Didn't know that there was another <laughs> going to be a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be a real <laughs> zoo over here. Am I right? Or yeah. am I right? Uh, and it's going to be nothing but pee again and poop again all over. And... Um, our older son is just going to have to start fending for himself. He's going to have to. We really need to teach him how to make his own chicken nuggets. Yeah, to do I think. a grilled cheese. <laughs> oh my God. It's going to be so MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.